Welcome to another edition of TSC Music's Music with a Mission, where our purpose is to perpetuate and promote the Christian and positive idea through the medium of music and other arts. We are delighted that you've joined us again as we recap the 2012 TSC Music Ministries Music Workshop. Over the past three weeks, we heard from Pastor William Carroll, one of the associate pastors here at Times Square Church, from Pastor Sam Centron from the Hope Arts Center in Jersey City, and he was followed by his senior, or one of his senior pastors, Pastor Lee Gonzalez, who also brought us an inspiring message over this past week. And that brings us to the fourth and final edition from that workshop, our good friend and brother Dave Edwards, who is the worship and arts leader at the Trinity Church in Greenwich, Connecticut. Dave is an accomplished musician. He plays multiple instruments and has recently, I think over the past year or two, has taken uh, on the responsibility of the worship and arts leader at the Trinity Church in Connecticut. Great man of God. He's got a very tender heart. And this is going to be a little different from the previous workshop sessions that you've heard. As Dave begins this session in song by leading us in a chorus of worship to the Lord. And then he moves into a very brief theory session. Theory is so important you can never learn enough about uh, theory uh, for those who are musicians and singers. Uh, it's, it's sort of an ear training uh, session. It's very brief, but it certainly does pique the interest of those who are new to theory and certainly uh, if you've not uh, learned the number system before, you're going to get a little sneak peek of that uh, today. And then he takes us into the heart of worship and starts to talk about that. So I want you to sit back and enjoy the message, the workshop, the teachings of our good friend, Dave Edwards. Lord, we just ask that you would just speak to us. Lord, we know that you will because you love us. You show us in your word. You show us in experience that you want to communicate with us. You want to show us your heart. So Lord, help us to see that. We pray in the powerful name of the risen Son of God, in Jesus Christ's name, and all his people said, Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. So one of the, one of the loudest things that I heard, and one of the first things um, that I heard when putting together today's topic um, I, well, I asked, I asked God, Lord, what do you want to say? Because I could think of some things. I could collect some ideas and some experience and pass them on. And some, some things are in there. But I just said, Lord, what do you want to say to your people, to your servants here? And the clearest thing I got was to tell them that I love them. And timing is everything, right? Because it may not sound terribly heavy or anything like that. You know, like, we'll tell them I love them. The gravity of that truth, I can't convey enough. But the, the Lord's love for you is so heavy, right? It is, so, um, it is so deep that he wants you to know that anything you're going to receive today um, is always in the context of his love for you. And in that love, there is freedom. And in that love, there is an easy yoke. And there's not a weightiness to it. If you feel anything weighty, a lot of times when we talk about arts and we, we tend to compare ourselves to others and we go, man, I haven't got that. I mean, I have this and I don't have that. There's a heaviness there. But what the Lord wants to give you is freedom and truth, right? So his, he loves you. He loves you and wants you to know that. So it's my honor to share that. I um, just want to give a little background 
um, and just share a little bit of my history on this planet, um, starting mostly with music. Uh, I grew up in a very musical home. I was born in 1970 and grew up in Lawrenceville, New Jersey, mid-Jersey, near Princeton and Trenton, right between. And my mother was an organist uh, and choir director in our Presbyterian church in Lawrenceville for 32 years. And before that, my grandmother in the Presbyterian church down the road for 52 years. And it wasn't until I was already uh, in ministry, in music ministry, that it finally dawned on me, oh my goodness, I'm a third generation music minister. And it's kind of a neat thing. Um, but really the center of what music ministry looked like from my eyes as a young boy was fellowship and music. I never um, really heard the gospel flat out. Of course, I never went to Sunday school. I always hung out with the choir, you know. Um, so maybe there's some stuff I missed. But I never really clearly heard the gospel as a young kid. But I did know the love of God for some reason. And I knew that I loved to be in the church by myself. And I was the church, one of the church brats who knew where everything was and had a key. Off, you know, So I could grab my mom's key and hop on my bike and go to the church hang out and play the piano and just be alone in the church. Um, sometimes when the sun goes down and I just be there by myself, not realizing that the God has called me into like a Levite-type ministry where part of my role is to, um, <clears throat> is to, serve, to, to serve the church and my inheritance is the presence of God. I mean, I had no idea of that, what it meant to be a Levite or anything like that. I just knew that I liked to hang out in the church and play the piano. But I never heard the gospel at that point. But... Um, so aside from that, my life basically was about music. And I went to this boy choir school where it was very um, music-centric. Played piano and violin as a kid. Uh, when I was in high school, there was a band called Blues Traveler that was in my high school, and I ended up playing. Uh, I, I got really excited about the drums and bass and started playing those instruments. And um, throughout high school, I was very serious about the piano because at that point I was practicing an hour a day and a half hour of violin a day. And I was starting to do piano competitions, and it probably would, it was leading toward the probability that I'd go to music school and, and be a classical piano performance major in school. So while all that was happening and competitions were happening and, and stuff, the love for music sort of changed a little bit, and I started to get stressed, and I started to be concerned about performing. And um, I remember, well, first of all, my, my brother, who was older, had friends that I wanted to, I wanted to be kind of, I wanted to appear cool at least, so I'd end up partying with them when my parents away. They went away a lot. They actually modeled great stuff as a couple. They went, around, they went out together on a lot of dates. They went away on a lot of weekends. It was a great thing for me to see as a kid, to see my parents do. Downside is, um, you know, when the uh, cat's away, the mice will play type stuff. So I learned how to be a good drinker at a really young age. Um, and alcoholism was something that I felt very... Well, alcohol I was very comfortable with and seemed like something I could control and get away with and still do well in school and things like that. Um, but at this one competition when I was a senior in high school, there was a, a kind of pressure that, that felt like I was having panic attacks and I didn't really know what to do with it. And my mom gave me this little blue pill um, reluctantly. I mean, it wasn't like it was a simple fix, but she knew that I was really uh, taking this tough this competition stuff. So she gave me this little pill. And um, I think it was a Valium. I'm not even sure. I don't know medicines very much. Thankfully, I'm not going to take medicines. But I remember numbing out uh, during that. And I went and played the music, and it, it, and it went fine. But there was no fire left, and I was, uh, wasn't able to really f- 
to feel an experience. And basically, control, numbing out and control, controlling my experience was sort of like the, uh, the need for this alcoholic ledge I went off uh, until I was about 22, and God really saved me young, thankfully. So I got kicked out of music school at Indiana University as a classical piano major. And for some reason, there were two options that I felt that were open to me. One was work at the shop right or go work on a cruise line as a bass player. And I have no idea why just those two options were in front of me. <laughs> some psychology person could tell me, probably. But um, anyway, I was able to work on a cruise line, and I met this person who was, my, who was a band leader, and he took me under his wing and uh, saw what I was doing to myself, and he invited me to uh, a meeting of AA in Hawaii. So I walked four miles with him, and um, that was the day that I didn't drink, and to this day, 20 years later, by God's grace, I haven't had a drink since. And I don't know where I'd be otherwise. <clears throat> but God is, um, is able to always restore, and he wants to restore. Not, always, not just able, he wants to restore. He's longing. You know, one of the, uh, I was with uh, uh, Louis Palau yesterday, or the other day, we're doing this prayer ministry stuff, and he said one of the, and he gave all these five different answers to prayer, but one, one is, in an answer to prayer, one was, yes, and I thought you'd never ask, which shows the heart of God to, to want to restore, to want to work, right? So, um, so I go to this meeting, I come back, I still have not heard the gospel at all in this point in my life. All I heard was, um, if you want to get on your knees and ask God to help you and to take this problem away and to take over your life, you can do that. So I did. I got on my knees and I said, God, would you please take over my life? And, and he did in, in a way that is, uh, he's the lover of our souls, right? So he, he's able to speak to us in moments like that in ways where we can trust and ways that we can um, respond and, and build a relationship with the Lord. A couple of years later, I heard the gospel coming into church, um, and le- leading up to that, I was, I was given this cassette tape from someone in Hawaii, a friend of mine, who was sending me weekly teaching tapes from their Foursquare church in Hawaii. <clears throat> and I was hearing these tapes um, on Paul and the New Testament and his missionary journeys and his letters, and I was very intrigued by that. And I heard through the lapel microphone all the electricity in the room and all that life that was there, and I had never experienced that in a church setting before. And I had just prayed to God, you know, God, I would love to go to a church like that. And inside of two weeks, I visited a couple places and landed in a church where ultimately I raised my hand at the altar call and started to get discipled right there and heard, heard the gospel straight up and was able to respond to it um, by his grace. And that was the beginning of my faith walk and eventually started volunteering and then got pulled into ministry. I was finishing up my jazz degree at William Patterson, wanting to be a jazz musician and um, and here, here I am working in church. And God will take what we offer him and make beauty out of it um, in ways that, that are far beyond our best thinking, right? So that's just a bit of my story. And I know my story represents probably many others here. <clears throat> but um, I just wanted to give you a piece of that. And it's an honor to share that. Revelation 12 uh, has a verse that says um, that the enemy was hurling insults at the children of God day and night, and they overcame him by the, power, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. 
overcame, overcame, not just came against, but overcame. So the, your story is huge when it comes to, you know, how do I share my faith? It's often telling a story. So it's, uh, I'm honored to, to just share that with you. So um, we have two places I'd like us to go for the day. One is more of a technical place where I want to talk about this thing called scale degrees and intervals. And the singing is pretty phenomenal. I wish, I wish you all could have been here in the center for me to get a great earful from both sides. Um, <clears throat> but I want to talk some, some of the theory in scale degrees. And then I want to go to a place um, where we can come before the Lord ultimately, ultimately and ask a few questions of ourselves in front of the Lord. Well, I'm just going to give you five minutes just to do some journaling. And I'd love us to walk away with some important questions about why we do what we do. What motivates us to lead worship? What motivates us to sing and to use our gifts? So um, first, let's go to rehearsal mode. But you can be seated, though. When I was in this boy choir school, there was a choir director named Robert Hobbs, who was a, <clears throat> an English boy choir trainer. And he had us do these things called intervals, where he would put a note on the board, and then he would say, okay, class, I'd like you all to sing a third above that note. So he'd point to one of us and we'd go, me, he'd go, great, good, okay, next. Of course, he'd say, that is 44 and one hundredth percent in tune, next, Aubrey. <laughs> that was great. And it was fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, the same exact class over and over again. So I got the same thing four times. So if you ever, this is great for scripture, by the way, too. If you ever want to play a, a tape or a CD of the same book of the Bible and keep it in your car for a month, really good. Really good. Uh, it's a great, just to, to do um, passages of scripture or anything when we're learning, we really need to soak. And in our culture, we are not taught to soak. We're taught to absorb as much as possible. But we don't learn that well when we absorb as much as possible. <clears throat> so it's really important to, um, to go over things a lot. So in this class, we did the same exact thing for four years. And we can't really get that deep into scale degrees, but I want to at least make this an introduction and give you maybe one takeaway. Um, but we'll start with this exercise. Um, but first, I want to find out who has been who has studied like uh, solfege, do, re, mi, fa, sol stuff. Okay. How about uh, scale degrees? Your knowledge of numbers: one, five, nine, eight, six, five, three, two, one. That stuff. Okay. I find that stuff very helpful to be able to analyze melodies and be able to have control of what we're singing. Um, so we're not guessing or relying on a pack of singers to our right or our left to get the, the new note of the bridge of that song. It's very helpful to get some of this stuff together. So let's start just by singing. Um, one, two, one, and then three. One, three, one, four. Five. Six. Seven. Great. Eight. One, eight three. Okay. When you do that, I found this very helpful when I was a kid. I would go, here's, here's a, I'll, I'll try to demonstrate what's going on in my head versus what I'm going to project. What I project is one, three, one. But what's going on is one, one, two, three, three, one. Okay, four. One, four, one. One, two, three, uh, six. One, one, two, three, four, five, six, six, one. 
it's very helpful to be able to know those intervals because the distance between two notes can be measured and it doesn't have to be a guess. It doesn't have to be, oh, that high note feels pretty good in my range when I'm singing ah on forte and I know that note is X. There's, well, what if we had to sing it soft on an ooh and we can't rely on the feeling and we just have to know what that note is by ear. <clears throat> it's really helpful to get some of this together. So we can break down a song like How Great Is Our God by Scale Degree too. So again, this is a quick overview Somebody said in the first session, so the first question, um, did the scale degree stuff, is that what led you to drinking? (laughs) (laughs) So with that in mind, we shall proceed. Yeah. So we sing a song like How Great Is Our God. We know that, can we all sing the tonic? On ah. Ah. Great. <clears throat> Can we sing a three? Ah. One, two, three. Three. Right. And then five? I gave it away. Right. So the, the first note of the chorus of How Great Is Our God is five, six, seven, eight, which we'll also call one because one and eight are the same, right? So when, when do you think of these numbers? Five, one, five, two, one. Any guesses to the next note? Sing. What number? Three. Three, yeah. Three. You can't answer, Greg. <laughs> okay, let's try it again. So, <laughs> so we have... One, two, three, four, five. How great. Five, one. Back to five. Two, one. Three, two. Yes? Two, one, one. Remember the other one? Five, two, one. Five, three, two, two, one, one. Five, two. Five, five, one. How great is our God? The reason this is very helpful, and we could spend a whole time just on getting deep into this, is um, um, for tenor and alto to remember notes. If you had to, if everybody had to be a section leader and be able to give the pitch to all the other sections, it's nice to know like how far these notes are apart from each other. It's not just lower. It's not always just a third under, right? So. <clears throat> We could say, if we had to go and let's say this is a brand new song and we had the tenors. Who are tenors? All right. And we had to do this song in five minutes and you never heard this song. I could tell tenors to go, one, three, one, four, three, five, four, four, three, three, one, four, three. And you could know for sure that the first note, at least, if I knew nothing else, is a one. So this is the song. So we have... And the, the tonic of the song is probably where? And then the tenors go, oh yeah, one. One, three. One, four, three. Five, four, four, three, three. Right? So it's very helpful to have. And again, we can't get that deep into it. But what I would say as far as the takeaway goes, um, spend some time. What I told the last group, actually, someone, or, or it came up, the Do, Re, Mi song, the Do, a deer, a female deer. 
Well, now you can go on Google and like get the lyrics and, and get them on your paper and stuff. And for all the does, write one. For all the rays, write two. Learn the song again by number. And it'll give you a new perspective on how these melodies are actually constructed so that it's not guesswork. Our ears are, are way more advanced generally than our theory is. And what the theory does is it gives us handles to be able to call upon what we know at an instant without any other help. So that's the power of it, but it does take a lot of, a lot of uh, getting used to it. But um, <clears throat> it comes after a while. So I wanted to share something of that. If anybody else has questions about that, we'll probably leave this topic and move on, but um, see me after. Just a little bit of the number system or learning to hear these intervals. If you are a musician and perhaps you've learned your instrument by ear and you have no formal training, or maybe you do have formal training, but you've never developed your ear, this is crucial to your development, to your theory understanding, uh, because it can take you so far uh, in your ability to be able to accompany other musicians or accompany singers as you sit at the piano or whatever instrument you're playing and being able to hear these intervals. It also helps a great deal with improvisation. Uh, and learning music that perhaps you've never heard before. Maybe you don't have a chart, and you're learning to uh, just listen and play along. If you can begin to hear these intervals and know them, it's going to dramatically transform how you listen to music, how you learn to play songs that you don't have charts for, and increase your ability to play along with other musicians. And finally, it will help you with your improvisational skills. We'll be back with more from Dave Edwards. God is incredible. God is with you. God is aware of your struggle. God is ready to forgive. God is powerful. God is your friend. God is a good listener. God is for you. God is willing to God help. God is and always will God be. God is able to God protect. Is God good. is power to change. God is, God is Jesus. God is here. God now. is the one who loves you. God is merciful. God is a husband to the widow. God is the one with your answer. God is there when no one else is. TSC Music Radio. Where God is. This is Carter Conlon from Times Square Church in New York City. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, Jesus spoke this story. There were some people who took no time to prepare for the dark days that were coming ahead of them. And when those days came upon them, quite unexpectedly they found that they had no ability to see any good in it. They didn't see a way out. They didn't see the hope that was available to them. So they turned to a people who had hope. And those who had hope directed them to the place where strength could be found. Those who had hope in this time of darkness had been a people of prayer. They had taken the time to cultivate a living relationship with the living God. They had the ability to see the hope that Jesus offers, even in the worst of times. They had been a people who had been wise enough to seek God. It is time again to pray. Visit nycprayer.org to find a prayer meeting in your area. That's nycprayer.org. God is Faithful is the title of a new book from the personal writings of Pastor David Wilkerson. This volume offers 365 deeply insightful, deeply inspiring reflections that reveal the loving heart of the Father. 
Each day in this year-long devotional journey, you can experience what Brother Dave knew intimately and preached passionately, that God is faithful and He takes great delight in you. To purchase a copy in limited edition hardcover, visit tscnyc.org. Before we go to the next part of this session with Dave Edwards, I want to give you a heads up that there's going to be a moment of laughter in this class that you're going to hear. And it's going to seem awkward only because Dave makes a comment about us wanting or not wanting to see the glory of God. And just as Dave takes a breath to say his next word, somebody's cell phone rings. And it's not a regular ringtone. It says something like, that's my thought or that's what I thought. You'll hear it in context. Let it ride by. We just kept it in there because it was funny. Now back to the session. Here's the, um, moving into kind of the meat of this session, I would say. I'm calling this, um, Behold the Lord, See the Lord. When I was prepping for this, I felt that I got this phrase really strongly, that what the Lord wants to say to us today is that um, we need to know, we need to behold the Lord, and we need to see the Lord, and it has to do with a desire. And do we want to or not? I know that sounds like a. If we say, "Do you want to see the Lord?" Everybody will say yes. Um, but if we probe deeper, we get into different layers of 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 how much of the Lord we want to experience. Um, <clears throat> so in worship, we want to magnify God, not that He needs our magnification. The Lord is who the Lord is. But we decrease and give glory to God by um, utilizing ourselves for his purposes, meditating on his truth, and singing his truth, and praying his truth back to, back to the Lord, and having a, a relationship um, like that when we worship. But I want to talk about two things. One is longing, and the other is confession. And the first one, having to do with longing, um, I want to point us to Moses in the tent of meeting in the book of Exodus, uh, chapter 33, if you have your Bibles. I would love to read some of that. At the end of this, I'm going to skip to the chase and then bring us back again. The Lord says, um, show me your, show me, thank you very much. Thanks. uh, Moses asked the Lord to show his glory to him, which is a bold thing to ask. The reason it's, <clears throat> it's bold is because he really wants to see the Lord. And what I find interesting about this passage is that his desire seems to come from a place of communion with the Lord already. So I want to go back just a little bit, starting at verse 7. And it's a fairly good-sized chunk of Scripture, but it leads up well to the Lord, show me your glory, because we look at that passage, but sometimes we don't see the context of it. Verse 7, Now Moses used to, used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whatever the people saw the pillar of the cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. 
Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your way so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with you people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me from your people, from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do this very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, You cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, There is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand, and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. So Moses, I don't, I, I don't know exactly why Moses had the longing that he did to say, Show me your glory. But I wonder how much of it had to do with his communion with the Lord. I mean... We have this communion with the Lord because of what Jesus did, that we can be sinful people and come into the presence of a holy God and actually have communion with Christ that way, with, with the Lord. Um, so there's a picture of longing that I wanted us just to keep there, okay? And uh, another picture I would like to, to give you before we talk about some of these questions is around the uh, topic of confession. And this... Um, I'd like to bring us to Isaiah 6, where Isaiah is commissioned. And this is another servant of the Lord and the Lord together in communion picture. Okay, <clears throat> Isaiah 6. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. We hear that scripture a lot. But what came... What stuck out to me uh, this go-around was that Isaiah recognized his sinfulness in the presence of a holy God. And uh, I believe that we don't really, that we don't want to see the Lord's glory unless... (laughs) (laughs) 
Let's pray. <laughs> so, so like I, I wonder like until the the point that we can get to a place of like confessing, if we can't get to a place of like cleaning house, I don't believe that we really honestly want to see the Lord in His glory. And I know that sounds a little scary. I mean, we're drawn to the Lord. The Lord draws us. And I'm saying that's not true. I'm just saying that <clears throat> there, is, there is a freedom when we confess and we say, woe is me. This is a great scripture, by the way. Um, we know the one that says, uh, Jesus, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It works great for musicians. If you replace sinner with singer, Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a singer. I just thought that was kind of funny because we come with our own uh, baggage at times and we, um, we just need to, be, we need to be clean, especially as musicians and the people up front in the platform ministry. So um, three questions I'd love for you to write down, and these are going to go into some time with the Lord where I'm just going to softly play and just give you some time with the Lord, just to like maybe four or five minutes. And you can write in code, by the way, if there's something you need to be honest with about the Lord. You're sitting very close to people, so I'm not saying that you need to confess whatever. But the Lord knows what you might want to bring to him. And, and the, the bottom line is I would encourage you guys to really be honest with Jesus because he, he does not need us to be um, all together, right? We're responsible for what we know with our theology to have a good um, orthopraxy, which is a practice um, of, of, of our beliefs, right? So whatever we know, we're responsible to be honest with the Lord about. So... Um, I just want to give you that opportunity. So the first question is, what do we or what do I want in worship, in the church, in church life? However that hits you, that's the first question. Second question, do I long to see the glory of the Lord? The third question is, is there something in the way? And I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures and then, uh, and then we'll have some time just to write down. This one has to do with confession. So this is from James 5, verse 15. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain in the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. I have three, three guys in my life who I can share all the dirt with. And that's another question you can walk away with. Do you have people in your life that you can do that with, who you trust enough that are going to still love you anyway, where you can, get, where you can be clean, we can come clean, right? And let's just have a few minutes just to journal and just to spend time with the Lord with these questions. So I'll give you about four minutes, five minutes.
That was tough, but Dave quickly recaptures the moment and brings us back to the seriousness of the discussion with regards to the glory of God. If you're listening and you've written those questions down, perhaps you should, or you can rewind this and go back a little bit, get those questions, and take a moment and answer them yourself. We'll be right back. Greetings, salutations, saludos, and young haseo, TSC music podcasters. Did you know Child Cry, a ministry of Times Square Church, is dishing out over 23,000 meals every week? With your prayers and support, we'll continue reaching out to feed the kids that we can so that they might be given the opportunity to lead an active and healthy lifestyle. I personally believe that now, more than ever, there's an awareness amongst this generation that there are people experiencing tremendous hardship and difficulties. And in response, folks from all walks of life are getting together in massive numbers and advocating for solutions. At Child Cry, it is our objective to be a transparent, ethical charity by developing long-lasting relationships with all of our local feeding program administers. I'd encourage you to hit us up online at childcrynyc.org to check out the work and see what you can do to help. We've got some exciting new updates launching this fall and hope that you'll join us. Child Cry. Child Cry. We feed hungry kids. Hungry kids. Adult and Youth Praise Choirs are just two of the many ministries that make up TSC Music. We're also looking for volunteers in other areas of music ministry. Are you a musician, an actor or singer, a video editor or an audio engineer? Perhaps you're great at learning song lyrics and quick on the computer, then Projection Ministry could be the place for you. Or maybe you enjoy meeting new people and talking with them about music. Then you'd fit right in with our sales team. If you're a music lover looking to find your place to serve, we invite you to apply online. Visit the website tscnyc.org and click on Get Involved. It's one of the most powerful weapons that Satan has against you. Once he has gotten you with fear, then he will take your faith. Because fear is actually the opposite of faith. The Lord said, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Now fear is when we look at the size of the opposition that we have to encounter and dismay comes when we look inside and don't see enough strength to fight the battle. God's word was don't let fear or dismay get a hold of you because it's not about you. It's about Christ in us. That's the good news. Paul says to Timothy, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. He's not given us a spirit of fear. Fear not. When that simple word gets into your heart, that's where the sound mind comes from. Fear not. I don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Face your fears and overcome them by the power of God. Face them now. It's very hard to get right with God in a season of panic. There are going to be many things in the future that are going to cause fear. And some things are causing fear today. 
But for the child of God, God says to you, fear not. That's where your sound mind will come from. Fear not. I know what fear can do. I was paralyzed by it for over nine years. But I know when I came to Christ and made a choice of going all the way with Him and walking with Him, there's no fear in my heart. If you will make that choice, you'll be astounded at the power of God that is available for you. Power, love, and a sound mind. That's what comes from God. And it only comes from God. It only comes from God. Pastor Carter Conlon's new book, Fear Not, Living Courageously in Uncertain Times, is now available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon.com, and wherever Christian books are sold. Who has uh, taken part in this kind of thing with the Lord? Oh, will you just journal and answer some things like this? A few of you? It's a great way to commune with Him. Um, and when we do, we always want to go in with the Word. We always want to go in with Scripture. And um, you can always trust that where the Lord takes you, there may be a good reason for it. Sometimes when you pray with people, you might get, I don't know, I'm hearing blue bicycle, fourth grade, you know, and the person praying is like in faith, hoping to the Lord, you know, this is something that person needs to hear. And then you, you hear you, you f- things drop off people. And that's part of the ministry of of this part of the ministry of Christ, where we pray for each other, where we um, <clears throat> can be real with people, so that this so junk can drop off us, and we can be free to minister in the power of Jesus, and not in our talent, or not in our experience. And a lot of times we tend to minister, and we can minister in our experience and talent, which is death, ultimately, it brings death. We use our talents and our experience and submit them to the Lord. Um, but we want to be clear vessels. So <clears throat> as I was playing, um, I got a little bit of a sense that somebody um, might need to walk away with uh, telling somebody you're sorry. Everyone just kind of hit me strong. I'm sorry. Someone may need to say I'm sorry to somebody. It could be somebody outside this room. But um, people are precious, Souls are precious. And how we treat each other is so critical when it comes to worship. If, um, if we don't have love for our brother and sister, how can the love of God be in us? Right? So take heart. Take heart. When you take that step of, um, of, being, of being open and, 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 and lowering yourself with other people, that the Lord will always support you. And there you'll have freedom and you'll have life and you're ministering the gospel, you're ministering freedom. So then we come to a place of being up front and encouraging other people to worship. We get to take part in the fullness of that, in magnifying the Lord, diminishing ourselves, and things like that. So um, one other thought, too, about this word consecration. And I'm not a Bible scholar, and I'm learning. I mean, I went to jazz school, you know, and most of the stuff I learned is under the, you know, pulpit ministry. But I do know a little bit about this word consecration, which in my understanding has to do with setting yourself apart unto a work, unto a holy work, so that you could um, be sanctified, in a sense, to do the Lord's work, to do his bidding, right? So the definition that I, that I got is to associate, literally to associate with the sacred. 
the definition of consecration, one of the definitions, to associate with the sacred. And it's a popular thought that we say we consecrate ourselves. Like we kind of, I don't know what that means. All of us may have an idea of what that means to consecrate ourselves. But our pastor one day came in and we had a prayer time in the morning. And he just encouraged us that consecrating ourselves for this holy ministry um, has to do with basically sitting before the Lord and letting him read us and uh, having him blow into us his, his breath, right? As opposed to us sort of um, going through some kind of self-process. I don't know how to word it. But, um, but when you consecrate yourself, it's something we need to do, but just know that it's the Lord who does it in you, and it requires time. It requires time to sit and to be with him. And he is a good God, and he loves you deeply. So we all have our walks, we all have our hurts, and we all have our sufferings, and that's part of the walk. And we will always hold those things. But his love is always constant under that one. So just to uh, finish just this time, I'd like to have us stand and uh, sing a song that Darlene Check wrote. It says, Lord, I come to you, let my heart be changed and renewed, flowing from the love that I found in you. Lord, I've come to know the weaknesses I see. Hallelujah, will be stripped away by the power of your love. So take heart. Take heart. Oh. There's a sweetness in suffering through these things. Anybody who's sat and suffered through their own weakness and has looked at it for real and has journaled about it and has said, I'm sorry, a thousand times for the same thing to those who are closest to us. There's a sweetness in knowing the Lord's presence and his nearness in those times. be changed, let my heart be changed, renewed, flowing, flowing from the grace that I found in you. Lord, I've come to know the weaknesses I see in me will be stripped away by the power of your love. Hold me close, let your love
Lord, unveil my eyes. Let me see you face to face. Lord, unveil my eyes. Let me see you face to face. The knowledge of your love as you live in me. As you live in me. Lord, renew my mind. Oh, yes. Lord, renew my mind. As your will unfolds. As your will unfolds in my life. Living every day. By the power of your love. Yeah, by the power of your love. Yeah. Hold me. Be close. That your love Dave, for that sobering message and for the reminder of the joy of being in the presence of God's glory. Take joy, my King, in what you hear and let it be a sweet sound in your ear. We sincerely hope that this podcast is a sweet sound in your ear. We also hope you'll join the conversation online because music with a mission doesn't end here. So check out TSC Music on Facebook to share your thoughts and get regular updates. Follow us on Twitter at TSC Music Tweet. And don't forget to use the hashtag MWN Podcast. Watch and share videos on our YouTube page at youtube.com slash TSC Music TV. And of course, you can always email us at music at timesquarechurch.org or visit the website tscnyc.org slash music. Portions of music in this podcast provided by TSC Music, produced by the director of TSC Music, Greg Thomas, mixed and engineered by Harry Vaughn and Jung Bing Kim, and I'm the project manager, Jesse Carrasco. Coming up next week, we have gospel organist, pianist, and music teacher, Sam Tolbert. Remember, if ever we put the messenger before the message, we have failed to present an unblemished gospel. I'm Greg Thomas. Join us again next time on TSC Music's Music with a Mission.